In this episode, we thought we would go over some of the common questions that we get from clients, and this may help you with your inquiry. And what we did was this morning, we went through some of the calls that we received in our office. I talked to some of the agents that deal with incoming calls from clients and asked them what are the common questions that came in today. So we picked out the top seven questions that came in today. And if we get more during this video, we'll include those in the conversation. But at least we're gonna talk about getting titles for kit cars or assembled vehicles, export vehicles. We're gonna talk about the Vermont loophole in a VIN verification. We have a lot of calls uh, in the last couple of days about abandoned vehicles, how to handle those. Um, what about lien holders on vehicles? If a lien holder is closed, how to handle getting a lien release? We're also going to talk about mechanics liens. Can you get a mechanics lien title for a vehicle that's missing paperwork? Uh, and last but not least, we're going to talk about prior owner contact. So one of the first things that came up, and this is because it's in the news, where replica cars, which are kit cars, no longer have to be sold as a kit under federal rules. So there's a lot of manufacturers that basically make reconstructed or tribute versions of a classic vehicle. Here's an AC Cobra, and there's companies that take popular vehicles and make a newer version of them. And in the past, those had to be manufactured to the current standards of manufacturing, which is very hard to do with airbags and emissions and bumper height, that kind of thing. So what's now allowed is low volume manufacturers who sell 325 new, noticing quotes, vehicles per year, they don't have to meet current safety regulations. So they're allowed to do it without meeting the safety regulations required for new cars. They still will have to meet emission standards, but they don't have to meet the safety regulations. And this is a big deal because you can put on some basic smog devices, catalytic converter, and make an engine meet emission standards, but it's very difficult to meet safety standards with backup cameras and airbags and crash test standards, side, stand, side crash standards. So they also don't have to be exact replicas. That's one of the other things that in the past, in order to qualify as a new vehicle, you had to meet certain adherence to the exactness of if it matches the prior car. Uh, NHTSA, National Highway Transportation Safety Administration, will require that it just resembles the body of another motor vehicle. Resembles the body of another motor vehicle. It doesn't have to be exact if it resembles it. It's called the Low Volume Motor Vehicle Manufacturers Act, and it makes it easier to have these vehicles safe for the road and also qualify for a title. So this is a big deal, and we'll post this article in the links. The next question that comes up all the time is, for the Vermont loophole, what's the requirement for a VIN verification, vehicle identification number verification? And in the past, for you know, going back 10, 15 years, we've been doing these titles, a VIN verification was required in order to do the Vermont loophole. And throughout the last 18 months, that requirement was waived because of COVID. But now that waiver has been redacted. So technically, the VIN verification is required, but can you get away with not doing it? So here's the short answer. We recommend that if it's easy for you to do a VIN verification, go ahead and do it. Because technically, the Vermont DMV can require it on every application. Now, if you send in the package prepared a certain way, 
Sometimes you can get it to slide through without needing it on a car or truck. On a motorcycle, 99% of the time, they're gonna want a VIN verification. So if it's easy to do a VIN verification, go ahead and do it. If it's difficult to get it done, well, prepare the paperwork or have us do it in a way that maximizes the probability they're not gonna ask for it and send it in, see what happens. They might just accept it as is. So what can you do to have that VIN verification maybe be waived? First of all, type your form. Don't handwrite it. If you type the information on this on the VD119 form, sometimes it goes through their automated processing where a person doesn't have to read it. Their computer reads it. If they see everything's good, they might let it slide without a VIN verification. They might. They still might send it back and say, give us a VIN verification. But you have a shot. You have a chance. Also, Next to section 3B on the left-hand margin, type in two X's typed, not handwritten, in the margin. That sometimes will help line up that form with their computer device so that it goes through without a VIN verification. So here's the form, VD11, or this is the VD, VT010 form for the VIN verification. This is what they're telling you you need. If you wanna try to get it done without it because you don't feel like doing this or it's inconvenient, go ahead and try it, might work especially if you type it and put the X's. That's how we do it. But if it's easy for you to get it, just go ahead and get it done. Who can sign this? Any authorized law enforcement agent. It doesn't have to be from Vermont. It can be somebody local to you. It has to be a sworn law enforcement agent. Which, what that means is basically somebody who has a badge and a gun can sign this. Can't be a notary. Can't just be a clerk. Can't be a court clerk or admin person. It's gotta be a sworn officer. Can be somebody from the DMV can be somebody from local law enforcement, police department, sheriff's office, state patrol, even prison guards can do it. Badge and a gun, that's the key. Okay, so that's the v v VIN verification. What about abandoned vehicles? This comes up a lot. How can I get a title for an abandoned vehicle? Well, the short answer is in most jurisdictions, abandoned vehicles are not, I repeat, not finders keepers. You can't just keep an abandoned vehicle. If a vehicle was literally just dropped on your front porch and you don't know who, how it got there, sorry, can't keep it. You got to have it towed away. Now, if the real story is somebody sold you the vehicle or they traded you the vehicle or they gave it to you, there's a way to get a title. It's not abandoned. It's some other method. But as soon as you start throwing around the word abandoned vehicle, more than likely you're going to lose the car. So use that term very, very carefully. There's a few rare jurisdictions, sometimes specific counties, specific cities that let you go through a process on an abandoned vehicle to send out notifications to the owner, to the lien holder, file some affidavits, hold it for an auction, and you can maybe keep the vehicle, but it's very difficult. In most cases, there's easier ways to get a title, even if you think the vehicle is abandoned. And we'll talk about storage fees in a minute. Sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to charge storage fees and keep the car. That's not how it works either, but there's a way maybe you can do that. We'll talk about that at the end of the video and mechanics liens. So abandoned vehicles, be very, very careful. Abandoned vehicles, most times, most jurisdictions, you got to get rid of it, which I know that's not what you want to do. You want to keep the car. That's why you're looking for a title. Don't start calling it abandoned because more than likely, once you identify it as abandoned, and you officially state it's abandoned, the car's gonna be taken from you. Next thing that comes up a lot is a lien holder. What happens if there's a lien holder on your vehicle? One of our reps just talked to somebody who purchased a vehicle uh, from a local seller who didn't have the title, and the seller told them, 
they'd lost their title. Turns out there's a lien on the vehicle. A bank holds the title and is owed money. Somebody owes money on the vehicle. Well, if there's a lien holder recorded on the title record, then guess what? Until that title has the lien cleared, you can't own it. The bank owns it. But there's good news. If you contact the lien holder in a very specific way, there's a good chance that you can get them to give you the document you need, the lien release document. If you are not the actual borrower that owes them money, that's delinquent, if you're not related to that person, in most cases, the loan has been charged off or it's a write-off and the bank will give you what you need, a lien release or a letter of non-interest or some document saying, we don't care about this vehicle. Most of the time, the bank doesn't care about the car. They're not trying to get the car. They just want money. And if they know you're not the person that owes them money, you're sure as heck not going to pay it. So they're more than willing to help you get a title to get it off their books and they can go back after the borrower to get the money. Remember, the money is owed not by the car, but by a particular borrower. It's owed by a person. That person still owes the money. If you are an innocent third party, you can request a lien release from that lien holder and own the car. Now be very aware that how you do it's important. You don't want to do it by phone. You don't want to do it by email. You don't want to do it by text message. You want to do it in writing by sending a form to that lien holder for them to sign and send back to you. Even put a return envelope in it. You can check out the section on our website about lien releases. So if you have a vehicle with a lien, all hope is not lost, but you have to go about it the right way. As long as it's not reported stolen, you have a shot. The lien release is a big deal. Next one that comes up, and when we talked to a client today that has a bunch of these vehicles that they're looking to export. And export is done by US Customs and Border Protection, also um, referred to as CBP. And CBP is the ultimate decider of what gets to leave this country in terms of vehicles, right? Export refers to the transportation of merchandise out of the U.S. for the purpose of being entered into commerce of a foreign country. A self-propelled vehicle is any automobile truck designed for running on land but not rail. So if you're exporting a vehicle, CBP is going to get involved. They want to check out the vehicle. The, a person attempting to export a vehicle shall present to customs both the vehicle and required documentation, including the VIN. So you can't just bring a vehicle and say, I want to export this vehicle. You have to have certain documentation. What documentation is provided is required when presented. The documentation must be presented 72 hours prior to export. For U.S. title vehicles, you have to have the title. If the title has third-party ownership claims, like a lien or something else, it has to be in writing that the third party says it's okay to export the vehicle. What they're trying to do is prevent vehicles with liens being shipped out of the country so the lien holders is basically defrauded out of their collateral. They also want to make sure there's no stolen vehicles being exported. And they also want to take that VIN number out of the U.S. system. If it's exported, it no longer is eligible for a U.S. title. So the owner must provide to customs the original certificate of title if you're trying to get it out of the country. This comes from CBP, and you can work with your export broker to find out more about this. A lot of times these cars have been bought from Copart or IAA, these salvage auctions, and they're trying to export them without a title, run into problems. We, we deal with this all the time. So you'll see this happens on export. What about a last owner of a vehicle? How can that help you? This is number six on our list, and the last one after this is mechanics liens, so stay tuned.
a prior owner of a vehicle might be helpful to obtain documentation in any one of the first five we talked about. If you have a vehicle that's not in your name that you're trying to get into your name, the last owner might have some authority to help you out because technically the last owner really is the current owner. If nobody else has, has received the title printed in their name, the last owner still, as far as the DMV is concerned, the government's concerned, is still the current owner. They don't know about any transfers after that. So if you want to get some documents, you can find the prior vehicle owner. What you do is you look up the title history. You need a DPPA form. This is one from Kentucky. Every state's a little different. But you notice what it says. Request for motor vehicle or boat record. That includes personal information. They consider the name and address of a vehicle owner to be personal information. They don't just give it out randomly because it's private. You wouldn't want somebody who just wrote down your license plate in a parking lot to come knocking on your door asking your questions about your car or how you were driving or why you cut them off at the red light. So they don't just give out owner information. You have to request it through a certain form. It has to be notarized. You have to have your ID, right? Because they want to know who's getting this information so you're not using it for identity theft or fraud or stalking. So once you get it, now remember, whatever information they give you is going to be the last address when the, to when the owner titled the vehicle, which might have been 10 years ago. So it might be outdated. So once you get it, the next thing you do is you locate them. Search for the current location using social media or investigation. Then if you want something from that person, if you want them to sign something, send in writing that document. Don't call them and say, hey, get me a lost title. Don't call them and say, hey, tell me where the lien is. Because people don't like to be called out of the blue about a vehicle they used to own three years ago. They think it's some kind of scam or they get sketched out. So do it in writing. Then once you get that, then you can transfer it to your name. The full description of this prior owner we have on our website gives you more details. Last but not least is mechanics liens. Mechanics liens are a very common phrase that's used by callers. You know, we get four or 500, well, more than that. Today we're at 460 and it's two in the afternoon. So we'll, we'll be over 500 today for calls. Many, many, many people say, I want to do a mechanics lien. Well, a mechanics lien is a process that is allowed by certain privileged companies that have a automotive license in a state to do business in the automotive industry, a repair shop, a towing company, a dealership, a storage yard. You have to have a certain type of automotive license. If you have that license, you are bestowed upon you a privilege of doing a very specific process called a mechanics lien. And what that mechanics lien says is you are allowed to process a title for vehicles that are left at your location and somebody didn't pay the bill in order to recover your losses for work you did on the vehicle or towing you did. But the titling division and the licensing division for those automotive facilities, they don't take this lightly because, as you can see from this article, this is from a couple months ago, they passed a new law. There are a lot of unscrupulous repair shops. That's how they put it in the article. And this state happens to be Oregon, has passed a law to make it even harder to get mechanics liens. Why? Because all over the country, repair shops, body shops, towing shops, all these kind of automotive shops are using their privilege to get a mechanics lien improperly. They're abusing the privilege and just getting people titles left and right. 
their buddy who bought a car on Facebook, get me a title. The repair shop puts an ad on Craigslist. Hey, if you need a title, just bring your car to us and we'll do a fake mechanics lien. The, the licensing division knows this. They're not stupid. They see this all the time. They can see how many mechanics liens are done by a shop. And if it's more than one or two a year, they're going to know something is wrong. Because most shops don't do that many. If you're a legitimate repair shop, you either get paid your bill or you don't do the work. If, if this repair shop is doing even two or three a month, they know something is up. Here's Oregon. We had a conversation with an investigator from Nevada who's investigating some serious title fraud in Nevada. And one of the things they're doing is looking at these title companies that are how they're processing them. And some of these title companies are doing fake mechanics liens. And they're looking at one very particularly that they're, that they're going to shut down and people are going to go to jail because they're doing fake mechanics liens. They know this is the case. A lot of these repair shops think, well, I have this privilege. I might as well use it. Well, what are they doing in Oregon? Well, Oregon is taking a step further. If you want to do a mechanics lien, you have to file a $20,000 bond. Auto repairers and shops in Oregon will have to obtain a $20,000 surety bond in order to be able to assert a lien on a vehicle for non-payment starting January 1st, which that was two months ago. It applies to shops that carry out mechanical and collision repairs. Dealerships are exempt, but it does not apply to abandoned vehicles. We talked before, abandoned vehicles are not finders keepers. The law passed is intended to protect consumers from improper use of a lien. This is what happens. Repair shops are doing improper liens. And you can see just during this video, we've been on this video for almost 20 minutes. You've heard the phone ring. We've had seven or eight calls just in 20 minutes. We get about 15 calls an hour. This is just one of the lines. So this is why they're doing it. Any person shall have in effect a surety bond in the amount of $20,000 before and shall maintain they claim a possessory lien on a motor vehicle for repair, storage, service, materials, anything. Because it also has to be issued by a company authorized to do business in Oregon. So the, the bonding company has to be in Oregon. This is a big deal. This shows you how many fake mechanics liens are being done. Laws are passed in response to a few bad players. Well, it's more than a few. I can tell you that right now. The Some of the DMVs we talk to, and we talk to the commissioners on a regular basis, they estimate that half of mechanic liens that are filed are fake. Bad players are bad players. They don't follow the rules. They won't follow the rules according to... Here you go. This is what it says right here. We talked about this. An independent shop will only use lien process perhaps once a year perhaps once a year, right? So if you're a mechanics lien shop that's sending in even five or six a year, that's gotta be a red flag, right? Bad players typically are tow truck operators will tow and impound and impose a mechanics lien on a vehicle, right? Or low ball and upsell. By requiring a surety bond, the law gives the role to issuing companies will scrutinize a lien application. So these bonding companies are now also gonna look at the the shop and say, are you a scam or not? The process of a mechanics lien is lengthy and the shop cannot recover anything more than a vehicle's value, which can be no more than a fraction of what's owed. Non-payment for collision repair is rare. The insurance industry is scrutinized constantly by the state. So this is what is going on with mechanics liens. If you have somebody who's saying they're gonna do a mechanics lien to get you a title, be aware that that process will be scrutinized by whatever government agency handles it in that state because it's oftentimes a scam. There's these little pop-up title companies that show up all the time. There's usually two or three around at any given point. This has been going on for 15 years. We've been seeing it that do fake mechanics liens. So you want to be aware of that. So those are the top seven questions. 
keep an eye on this channel, subscribe, and you'll see this happen You know, once or twice a week. We'll go over the common questions people ask. And if you have any questions, you can reach us at our website, cartitles.com. We'd be glad to be of assistance.